This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Daniel Pru, sitting in the center chair this week, and joining me always is my two great co-hosts. To my right, I have newly appointed judge Philip Gilfus. Philip, those are some sweet new duds you've got on. What's going on with that big necklace and that silly hat? Um, I actually was searching in the historical database, and apparently this was popular with retired Starfleet doctors in the late 23rd century. Um, and so I just trying to bring it back into style. You know, it's groovy, groovy. You know, it really lets the people in the, the courtroom know that you mean business. And it lets you uh, curse, curse a lot to them, get away with it. And you also have those, like, big red rubber gloves. Is that so you don't, like, put any fingerprints on the gavel or something? Well, it's because it's a commanding color. I mean, like, nobody would respect me if I was wearing big blue gloves. (laughs) Oh, oh, Philip, you're so funny. That's enough talking for you. Um, And on my left, of course, uh, I have the uh, official gong gonger, Darren Moser. Darren, you're looking a little shorter than usual, uh, but you do have a nice gong there. How's that going? I I really enjoy this cowbell. I mean, it's mobile, which is nice because I can take it around anywhere. And uh, I'm thinking of starting my own band. Uh, you know, we got Fear the Reaper coming up, and it's uh, it needs a lot more cowbell. What what would you what would you name that band? Just out of curiosity, Darren. Um, Blue Milk. R S T because it comes after Q. Okay. All right. All right, I can. I guess I can get behind that. All right, or or the penalty box because that's because uh, <laughs> that's when you're listening to it where you go. The penalty box does that sounds pretty cool. Uh, let's go with that. Well, believe it or not, fictional uh, TNG based bands is not what we're going to talk about in this Aww. episode. I know that's actually going to be next week. No, no. Well, I, I always thought this podcast needed something, <laughs> some little a little extra zazz, huh? Uh, no, uh, we are going to be talking about. Um, the concept that was presented in Encounter at Farpoint, the idea that Q has placed humanity on trial. Now, a little bit of background information we've, we've given before, so I'm just going to run through it real quick. Um, Encounter at Farpoint was written as uh, an hour episode and then got expanded into a two-hour episode. And they added the entire Q storyline to Encounter at Farpoint uh, fairly well into the development cycle. So... Um, but it is something that ended up carrying through until the end of the series. Um, and I wanted to talk to you guys about it because it's, um, it's a very Star Trek kind of storyline and it's nothing that we've really delved into before. So Philip, when we, when we want to bring this up, I know it is only featured in two episodes, but obviously, uh, two of the most important episodes in TNG. So it's, it's, it's a fairly... Uh, important storyline. What do you what do you think about the trial, the trial of humanity that Q puts us on? 
Well, I mean, I think it's an interesting device because especially sometimes, you know, TNG is, is critiqued for, you know, being a, a non-continuity show. Um, that's not the word people use. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, compared to Deep Space Nine, you know, does Emissary go all the way to what you leave behind? I mean, to me, they're, in, I mean, the, you know, other than some themes, but they're entirely different. And then, like, Voyager, I mean, Caretaker and Endgame, I mean, yes, they get home. But I don't, I don't think there's as much of a heavy plot as Encounter and All Good Things with that trial bookend. I mean, it's it's almost as if you could say all seven seasons were really just one episode because it's like that trial <laughs> lasted. That's the whole thing was a trial. The whole time it was just the trial. Um, because I thought the interesting thing is even in I want to say maybe it was a hiding cue. You know, Picard was like, you know, the last time we met, you put us on trial, and Q was like, well, the jury did, never did reach a verdict or something like that. You know, I don't know. It, so it's almost like I mean, it's, he's he's really trying to be funny, but little did we know. You know that that actually would come true. That the you know the jury never reached a verdict, as he says in all good things, and and that you know well, is, what we thought we were being judged in the pilot, we were being judged for all seven years. To, and to be fair, the writers didn't know that either. I mean, I'm I don't think any as far I as think I know, Rick Berman completely had that planned out <laughs> yeah, from day one. He's a time lord. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that's interesting. And that's actually something that we'll probably touch on later as well is the idea that, um, you know, maybe, maybe that it wasn't conceptually built that way, but it certainly ended up being this kind of overarching kind of storyline for the entire run of the show. But, uh, what about you, Darren? What is the first thing you think about? Like, do you ever ponder? What does it mean? Like, like that, that we're on this trial and is is that an interesting story to you? Do you ever consider what what that is? What Star Trek was trying to say? Well, it's, it's interesting to think. Oh, sorry. Uh, recess. Uh, I'll be back. Uh, I'll be back in five. No, it's it's really interesting though because yeah, it's if you think about the trial and and what encounter at Farpoint was saying because remember again. You know, we've we've seen TOS, we've seen the animated series, we've seen some of the movies at this point, but this is where Nexion has to has to set itself apart, but also, you know, it's it's literally the pilot of pilots. It has to sell Star Trek to this new generation. It has to show is it is it the exact same thing? Are these characters, you know, literally copies of you know, is data Spock? Uh, you know, it's it's hard to say. So TNG is really is trying to establish itself, and we get Q. We get this character and this trial, and while, you know, like Daniel said, I mean, yes, it bookend, but it wasn't necessarily, you know, the thread of Star Trek. But I felt it it gave something new. It it had it, it helped establish that TNG is Star Trek, but it is different in the fact that, you know, we're gonna have these different characters, you know, we're gonna you know, kind of, is this a five-year mission? Is this exploring the frontier? You know, and and we get a little bit of that where it, it is, you know, it's out there. It's wondrous. You know, don't get a bloody nose. You know, as Q, Q's very much, you know, that one alien being. I mean, it's literally like the first alien we meet. I mean, it's like, okay, the Enterprise is going out on this new mission. Oh, wait, we're going to have the narrator show up and basically tell us, you know, Hey, it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle up, viewers. I mean, Picard, uh, because you don't know what's out there. 
uh, you know, live long and prosper. And then he, you know, and he's gone. So he sounds a lot like a podcaster. I know. I feel like you're putting yourself into. Uh, but no, I think with the trial, Daniel, it, it was really well done in the fact that it helped show what TNG was, what kind of flavor you were going to get from TNG. Cause I think that was very important. And the interesting thing is, it in some ways, there's a, um, oh, I'm struggling for the word, a conceit. There's a conceit in that trial, because what Q is saying is, oh, so you're petitioning the court that you are the best representations of mankind. Of course, there's also like a half beta over there. But anyway, you know, that, that you're, you know, you're the best of the best, right? That's what you're saying, that in order to defend humanity. And so it's the show saying, this crew that you're about to meet, they're the best of the best. This is what the 24th century, mm. which is different. You know, we've been in the 23rd century the whole time. So this is what the 24th century, these people, you know, the android, the Klingon, the whatever, you know, all this is. What, and so that conceit is these people represent what, the best of what there is about this world we've created. And so let's show them what they do. That's a very good point. Including the the female security officer, who we will get to know and learn a lot about. You know, she's just she's part of that cruise. No, that's actually true. And another thing that's interesting too, I think, you know, TOS was known and is known uh, for dealing with social issues and 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 being a, a mirror for society. And I mean, right from the get go here, from the first episode, we have this. Um, it's very generic in the in the way that it's like, hey, guess what? Humans are screwed up and did some screwed up things, and uh, but uh, we're better than that. Like this is this feels very Roddenberry to me. This idea that um, that yeah, we acknowledge that we have are not perfect and that we have done some terrible things, but we are better than that now. And uh, let's explore that and let's show that through this through this quote-unquote trial. And it was it's interesting to me, as I was re-watching the, uh, the, the, the scenes for, to get prepared for the show, that it, I'm pretty sure Q was planning on doing this the whole time, but he, it wasn't until Picard says to him, oh, so you, you make yourself judge, jury, and executioner, that Q maybe decided this, how he wanted to do it. Because that was when he was like, Oh yeah, try all this will be great. This will be so much fun. And we can totally do this and you can totally show us how you've changed over the years but haven't changed over the years and and it was just an interesting kind of way they did this. Another thing about that what I want to talk about guys is um and I love when Star Trek fills in the gaps of what we are and what Star Trek is. And this is one of those times. This is a piece that is filled in for us. This post-atomic horror, as Picard calls it, uh, of this tr- of this court where they have killed all the lawyers, you know, uh, and all of that. What do you guys think about that? Like this setting that Q chose, this post-World War Three uh, setting that that Q chose um, as the grounds for the trial, just to show Picard almost to throw it in his face how how big of a hypocrite that humans or he is at that point. You know, I have to say that this topic actually makes sense because for the past 90-some episodes, there's been time during the podcast that Daniel kind of look far away and talk about why are these people laughing at me. This is, Now I get it. You were, you've been stuck in the trial the whole time. So that's, that's why we're here. 
Uh, yeah, I, mean, I have I, a little I, person that shows up in my office randomly during yeah, recordings. Oh. You know, <laughs> <laughs> takes off his hat just with this yeah, yeah. <laughs> weird umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see them. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I think because that is a very interesting thing. Because again, th- there's so many uh, story within a story within a story. Because there's the real life story of we're reintroducing Star Trek. There's the story that we're introducing these characters. There's the you know inside the world story of of what you just said, Daniel. But yeah, it is that one of the things like oh no no we'll we'll do this by the law. You know I you know this is Q. Like I'm I'm not an animal. We'll do this by the law, and I'm going to even use Earth law so I'm not cheating. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm picking your worst period of history. You know, you know. But um, you know, it was either this or the Crusades. That was, you know. Um, but yeah, and it, and it almost there's a. It's very 80s, and that's not a criticism, but that line to me of where like, oh, you know, this time where you were ruled by drugs, and you know, it would seem like a very like you know war on drugs 80s statement. But I mean, it's not inconceivable that that time could exist Kids don't do drugs yeah exactly <laughs> the um, uh, the just to just to correct you philip the 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 exact line i believe is that you controlled your military with drugs which is actually a super interesting concept that we actually never get to see except yeah, for the, are. except <laughs> except for these guys that just like to you know pss, pss, you know like in the middle of whatever they're doing but I don't do that. I mean, they don't do that now, right, Philip? Um, well, we don't get those cool suits. I mean, if I had a cool suit like that, that would be like where you just get blasted and like there's no blood or anything. You and it's almost like wearing like the Romulan (laughs) shoulder boards, but over your entire body. Entire body. Like, they don't show, like, later they get the pugil sticks out and start beating each other with them. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, like, I do love that. Um, this, And I'll stop talking about, like, what you said, Daniel, I do love that this is chosen. Um, this error. Because I think this whole trial thing, you know, and, and, and it's interesting, our viewer or listeners can't tell that you're wearing a shirt, I guess, because of commentary frack stars. I don't know why when you're on a Star Trek podcast. But you're wearing your BSG shirt. Um, but... You know, because there's two conceits, and I know I keep using that word, but like it's you know, humanity as as we go into the future, and even if as we look to the past, have we changed? And which is the fundamental question of the trial. Um, And Star Trek says yes, we have changed. I mean, there's technology, blah blah, blah, but who we are as a people has changed. We have evolved. Whereas a BSG or other ones was saying like, even with all the technology and whatever, humans are still humans and that's going to come out no matter what. And those are both two interesting stories to do, but obviously Star Trek has chosen the former, not the latter. Yeah. And in, in this, you know, especially when we look at both our point and all good things, especially with the ending to, to all good things that we get with that conversation that, that Q and Picard have, um, it's an upbeat converse. It is an optimistic look at what humanity is and has changed into and has the potential to change into. Because Q mentions, he says, just for a moment, only for a second, did you, did you expand your mind and your horizon to something that you never thought were possible? And that was enough. That was enough to show that humans it's it's just it's such an interesting optimistic way of looking at things like humans can achieve greatness. They can do these things. And it's it's amazing to think that this storyline 
you know, that they set out in the first episode and conclude in the last episode is is really one of hope. And I think I, I, I don't I don't mean to speak for the two of you, but one of the great things about TNG to me is that idea, that optimism, that that possibility and um you know that everything that we can overcome these problems and and you know hey maybe we become addicted to drugs sometime or you know maybe we shoot each other or freeze each other but you know ultimately there is goodness and we can work together and build a better future for for ourselves well i was always kind of surprised that you know that because you know at the very end he's like oh you finally you know, expanded your mind and thought of, you know, something that you never thought could happen. I'm thinking, where were you, Q, these last seven years? I mean, <laughs> you know, we went past the edge of the galaxy, you know, we Which we time? met space jellyfish. Yeah. You know, we went back to met Mark Twain. I mean, the Enterprise <laughs> has seen its share of crazy things. I, I would think that Picard would be like, oh, yeah, I could totally wrap my head around this, you know, because me, a 21st century person, can as well. Well, you know, to me, it's there's it's almost like Q is trolling during the, the that trial <laughs> part of All Good Things because, you know, in some way he's playing that devil's advocate of, of all of the next generation and saying, you know, these big principles about the nature of humanity, but what have we seen instead? You worry about Commander Riker's career. <laughs> Listening to Counselor Troy's pedantic <laughs> psychobabble, indulging data on in his witless exploration of humanity. So in other words, saying, like, what about all these silly tropes that have happened in your series and shows and episodes? Is there really any meaning in What about in masks, Picard? Yeah. What about masks? Can you explain <laughs> that to me? Because I just can't get it. You, you know what's just occurred to me, too? Um, except for the Troy line, Q has had actually very personal, very close relationships with each of those characters and has actually helped them do those kinds of things throughout the series, right? He is He gave... Riker's true. Q powers. He he helped Data to become more human. He it's interesting that he kind of sarcastically spits that at Picard at the end, but he's also very invested and interested in those people's growths as to what they can become as well. So I think maybe he is trolling uh Philip like you say or or maybe, you know, maybe he's he, queuing. He's que- he's queuing. <laughs> exactly. Well, it, it almost, uh, which I know this isn't a greatest example for many reasons. One, because I don't know that you two know it, but um, in uh, Classic Who, with the Sixth Doctor, uh, which is the worst, but anyway, but with the Sixth Doctor, it, it like his. That's the one with the uh, question marks. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, that's actually most of them um, towards the end. But it's a like Colin Baker. <laughs> it's the big blonde. Um, I think you may be thinking Sylvester McCoy. But anyway, but um, it's oh yeah, actually, I'm thinking think, Sylvester McCoy. Yeah, but actually, it's Colin Baker's uh, birthday this week. But anyway, um, but the, Is there's he the one a, with the celery on his. No, that's the Fifth Doctor. We can do this the whole time. Um, <laughs> Darren, it's, just, it's Darren, the, just stop. <laughs> just stop, Darren. <laughs> but it's uh, you know, the the that his series or his his run ended with the trial of the Time Lords, um, which is actually how the second one ended. But anyway, but his prosecutor, it ends up, spoilers, that it's the the Vanguard, oh, I may be getting that wrong, but I believe I'm right, who who is actually an amalgamation of the 11th and 12th Doctor. 
so he's being prosecuted by a amalgamation of his future self. Um, but it, you know, it's sort of interesting to have that whole trial thing because it basically serves as not a clip show because we've never seen these clips before. But it, it, you know, it's sort of this whole thing of like we're putting you on trial, and here's some clips of stuff that you did, and and you know, so it's almost got like a mini episode, you know, throughout of like because we're judging you on, on what you did. So, but y- yeah, I just like that whole concept of Q because Q is playing many roles. He's judge, he's prosecutor, he's witness. You know, it's sort of like uh, in Death Wish, he's like, you know. Let me call to the witness stand. Me! <laughs> That's true. I'm really glad that all good things, or the, you know, the trial wasn't a clip show. It, was, it wasn't <laughs> our Shades of Grey 2. You know, like that one time you did this. And it's like, the image like flips towards the camera, you Look, know. we have a Shades movie to write. Q2. We don't have time to write a finale. It's, it's just going to be a clip show, guys. That's all we got time for. It, it goes from being the, one of the best finales <laughs> to the absolute worst. <laughs> the worst ever. Being, yeah. being a clip show finale. Oh, my gosh. Fans would be so upset. So, actually, this is, this is a topic I wanted to bring up. Um, of course, like we're, we're mentioning, in... in encounter we get q for the first time and it is a very first time q and he grows just like all of all our favorite characters do throughout the series but um i'm wondering how you guys feel about q as a whole like does it make sense that he would be the the guy that sends us to sherwood forest and you know sends us to the Borg, like all of these different things that he ends up doing. And does it make sense that he is the guy that is, uh, puts us on trial, puts our entire species on trial? Cause obviously he's conceived of and played very differently in that first episode. I wanted to, um, just tell you guys a quote from all good things that I had noticed when I had watched it this most recent time that I actually thought was really interesting. So Picard and Q, this is their last scene together, and they're, they're having a conversation about what exactly had happened. And is it about the fish? It is. It's right before the fish line, actually. <laughs> um, he says, you know, Q says to Picard, uh, the continuum didn't think you had it in you, Jean-Luc, but I knew you did. And then he says... Uh, uh, and Picard says something along the lines of, well, you also helped us out. You you gave us assistance. And he said, I did that because I was the one that got you into it, a directive from the continuum. So it sounds like it was the Q Collective's mission to do this, I guess to teach Picard a lesson? This is, this is what confuses me about it, because we see Q in Deep Space Nine, and we see Q in Voyager, and it's certainly, like, that mission is gone at that point, even though technically the trial never ends. But but that mission is non-existent. They're doing different things. Do you guys, like, buy this fact? Is this, like, what the Q do? Like, when they're not being the Scarecrow, they just judge species? <laughs> We've well, like, all been like, the Scarecrow, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're saying is, you're saying Q's like, I didn't necessarily begin this. It was a directive by the continuum and I felt you know that I needed to help you guys out because you know but or if he's saying it was his fault though what if because he proposes the trial like it's not so much of a Q directive but because he framed it as a trial 
now he felt responsible for a trial having a a um a verdict and and then of course yeah. the difficult I mean, thing is time has no meaning so when he says it was a directive <laughs> does he mean the all good things or does he mean everything um you know cuz cuz there you know there's almost and I, I mean i i say almost you may say actually a retcon q storyline from voyager that makes sense to me because because you know with death wish that you have this framing of q that q is this wild man and so you have all these early q episodes you know if you want to say encounter if you want to say hide and q um and then he gets you know wrapped on the you know uh, knuckles with uh, deja q when he loses his powers he gets punished and that everything past that is him being a good boy in the continuum now and that all these things that happen now is him, you know, being a good Q, you know. And, and so um, I, I think that's a, a sort of an interesting way to frame that Q-ness. But so, you know, the question of whether that first trial was that Q's idea or was it the continuum's idea? That's a good question. Yeah, it is a good question. Yeah, I, I think we should all wear question marks I don't have now. a problem. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem <laughs> Uh, like Death Wish doesn't destroy that kind of uh, storyline for me. I, I, that makes sense. It makes sense to a degree um, because I don't really think after Deja Q he actually behaves any better. Because after Deja Q we get um, uh, Cupid. Well, true Q. And, he, he's on. <laughs> he's sort of an errand boy for the continuum. Yeah, that's true. That is he, he. Yes, for that episode. But then we get Cupid, and Cupid is definitely just Q being Q being Q. And then we get tapestry, (laughs) and then we get tapestry, which is just another Q has a crush on. Do we get tapestry? (laughs) (laughs) Listen to our tapestry episode if you want to hear more. Um, (laughs) Then we get tapestry, which is uh, just a Q having a crush on Picard episode. So maybe I guess I guess that would fit. Just a John Luck Pickard. But yeah, I mean, that's, I don't know. I mean, it's such a fundamental thing to put an entire, you know, it's a in metaphor, obviously, but like an entire species on trial. And like, you know, if we were to put humanity on trial now, how would we find ourselves, you know, uh, innocent, you're not guilty, guilty, or, or the ever popular guilty provisionally, um, you know, and... <laughs> It's, it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. And, you know, because you look at different, like I said, it depends on what you are, how would you argue? Have we improved or haven't we? You know, because there's, there's sort of that, there's a self righteousness in Encounter with Picard being like, oh, of course we have. We're totally better now. You know, we're all that nonsense. We've outgrown all that stuff. And so there's that little bit of a self righteousness. Well, not maybe little, but maybe a lot. You know, self righteousness. This is Kirk's era. We totally have evolved. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, are we guilty of being as as what is what is called dangerously savage child race? Um, yeah, certainly we have been right, and but even today, right? That's that's kind of what the episode's supposed to say. Like we sh- we look at today's world and compare it to what's come before, and we hope and we think and we try to do better. But are we doing better? Are we any better than what's come before? And that's what's interesting about when Data brings up um, the new United Nations. Uh, or was it the new, 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 new,
where you know nobody can be held responsible for the actions of their forebearers. Um, it's just a really interesting framing of this kind of question. This is the fundamental difference, I think, between Star Trek and a lot of science fiction. It's it's what sets Star Trek apart. Is it's this idea is that we are better. We can be better. We have it within. It's innately within humanity to become better. We have that capability, and that's what I thought was just really interesting. Yeah, and, and it's also uh, I don't know racist or something like you know like we're, we're putting mankind on trial. But only like a half the ship is you know Terrans, so you know is I I assume it's a larger metaphor, you know because it's like you know Data's like well I'm good I'm I'll, I'll leave it to y'all I'll be taking a shuttle you know, I'm I'm not involved here, um, and I mean, Troy's Data like, knew that this was that in the port of time where it, whatever he quoted about you know the the new United Nations had already been abolished he knew that. But he didn't care. You know, he's like, oh, he's going to overturn this objection, but at least it looks good. <laughs> on you know, the record. I defended my captain. <laughs> Me and now, Wolf, on the record, we'll I be helped. taking the saucer out of here, so uh, yeah. you guys have fun. <laughs> actually, I was actually, you know, when I was watching this scene, I was thinking how much more interesting would it have been? You know, of course, at the time, we don't know how interesting of a character he is, but if um, O'Brien had shown up as well... <laughs> Because O'Brien is kind of like... He's more, the everyman. He's the everyman, and he's more of an average human than any of those characters are. So it would have been really interesting, you know. Of course, we do get the shout-out to O'Brien later when uh, <laughs> when Q mentions him on the Deep Space Nine Weren't episode. you one of the little people? <laughs> <laughs> which is a great line, which is fantastic. Which, you know, it's it's just circumstances, but, I mean, think about it for a second at Encounter, that the representatives of mankind, whether you want to capital M or lowercase m that, is Captain Picard, which, obviously, Yar, Troy, and Data. So, it, it, you know, this is reading way into it, which isn't even meant. <laughs> but it's almost like, wh- what do they represent, you know, of the mankind, and again you know, using that gender neutral um, and possibly race neutral, species neutral, um, that, you know, that's our best. Like, these are our representatives, you know, whether you like it or not, right? Here's Picard, Troy, Data, and Yar. And so it's, it's interesting to think about, like, well, you know, what, what, what do they have that, you know, would hopefully show us in our best light? Well, you have, you know, technology, progress. You have empathy, you know, human nature. You have... And then kick you have Mary Woman. Yeah, kick-ass. Kick-ass, kick right. um, And then you and essentially have... do not I mean, attack really... the court attendants. <laughs> <laughs> and then intellect, really. I mean, that's what it is, right? Is, is I mean, I guess I was going to say logic, but that's more Data's thing, I guess, kind of. But really, Picard represents kind of... I mean, he's... he. I mean, you know, whatever. He, I'll say it. He's like the peak. He is like the greatest man... That you could get, right? He, he, it's, he like, is, it's like it's like Jesus, John Luke, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, Superman would be written there. You know, John I'm trying to keep it all J's. Uh, no. You know, we we'll learn later, of course. He, he, in a lot of ways, he is though. He 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 is this character that represents humanity in a lot of ways. Is in the fact that he 
respects the history. He understands it. He has seen where we've where we've come from and where we've gone. He he understands where you come from. Where do you go? Yes. What where are you going now, Cotton Eye Joe? Can, can I cue? <laughs> uh, I would. I would not have watched that episode. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, it's it's very interesting. I had a train of thought, but I forgot it. Sorry. So, okay, guys, um, we we mentioned it a little bit, but I do want to dive a little deeper into the fact that, well, I think it was you, Philip, that said this is one big block of stories, one seven-year-long story now. If you if you one disc. want to phrase it that way, <laughs> yeah, one laser disc. <laughs> it's a laser disc. disc. Yeah. <laughs> a blue my, laser my, disc. That, I have my Star Trek TNG project. I'm calling it the laser disc. <laughs> it has a scratch, and that accidentally erased half of season two, but uh, it's all worth it. We call it the it's uh, just Pulaski season two. error. <laughs> the <laughs> but it, really, I mean, you know, comparatively to the other Star Treks, comparatively to a lot of shows, what it does really well is it... it book ends it, it essentially creates an opening and a closing for the show in a, and honestly what i think is probably the best of, of any example i can think of um this idea that and i and i don't think it was written purposefully that way i mean obviously all good things was but uh you know it, it wasn't like they planned for it in, in an encounter but <laughs> but it's 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 so satisfyingly concluded with yeah. all good things. And like that the fact that we get to go back to the courtroom, Q puts on his silly outfit again, uh, you know, and then he even says the trial never ended and it never will. And and of course that is a metaphor as well, but what does that mean? We it means trial is life. <laughs> trial is life. We continue victory to is life. We have to con- we- I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me take my drugs. We have <laughs> We, <laughs> you know, it's the story of it's the story of Star Trek. We have to keep pushing. We have to keep progressing. We have to keep improving ourselves, and that's what's it's it it ends, but it doesn't end, and that's what's amazing about it. I think because another uh, cue trolling in all good things is that another critique of of TNG and maybe even Star Trek as a whole is you know like. Picard during the the trial part in the middle there where Picard is saying you know like trying to be you know defend himself like look we've we've uh, charted new new got I, I should know the quote but I don't but like we've charted new galaxies we've met <laughs> charted species, new galaxies you know met new species we've expanded our understanding of the universe that one is what he says but anyway but Q's like that none of that matters it was just like that's all of Star Trek you know, science and diplomacy and, and and you know strange new worlds this is a standardized test and yeah. you didn't study the right topic <laughs> but, but, but Q is like none of that matters it is the nature of existence that I want you to be able to understand and so it sort of creates that framing even further that all these things we like about Star Trek whether it's the aliens or the battles or the exploration or the conflict or the character, whatever, whatever that is, the only thing that matters is do any of those things tell us about the nature of existence? If they do, it's good. If they don't, then maybe it's not all that worthwhile. I have uh, the exact line in front of me, Philip. Uh, Q says, 
the trial never ends. We wanted to see if you had the ability to expand your mind and your horizons, and for one brief moment, you did. Which Picard responds, yes, thank you, Philip. And Q then says, exactly, for that one fraction of a second, you were open to options you had never considered. That is the exploration that awaits you. Not mapping stars or studying nebula, but charting the unknown possibilities of existence. And, like, I am the biggest fan of Ron Moore, and he has written some brilliant stuff. This is definitely, in my mind, some of his most powerful stuff uh, that he that he has put to paper. And, and this is, I can't think of a more succinct way to put TNG as a whole, really. Uh, it's just this, it's optimism, it is moving forward, it's future, it's great, it's lovely, it's Star Trek. And then right after he, con- you know, control S that, he's like, all right, let's open up the second document. I want to write more <laughs> about Mr. Tricorder. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, well, <laughs> I didn't say he was a perfect man. <laughs> <laughs> Put him on trial. But yeah, the, some of the some of the speeches you get in not only you know all good things, but also Encounter at Farpoint are are really good. You know, and they're they're like just shy of breaking the fourth wall of like you know, hey audience, guess what we're really talking about here? It's like it's pretty it's pretty clear, but you if know, only there was an extreme th- close up. The, the closest thing where got- Picard is almost looking right <laughs> at us. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, I mean, not since Zephyrin Cochran said, are you guys are a bunch of astronauts on some sort of <laughs> Star Trek? But like a generation later, uh, which like you would be called. But uh, yeah, the next generation. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but no, we get some great you know some great lines uh, and, and really some deep thinking, which is, is hard to do because at the end of the day, you know, um, all good things you're trying to wrap up stories and you're trying to tell this story and you know it doesn't leave a ton of room for existential thought you know you don't you don't want to make the end of next gen be the most star trekky like headspace ever like you have to make it a little broad you know for for everyone but um but it does a good job of just reminding everyone what star trek's about at its core i mean that's really what q is saying you know let's let's better ourselves let's look to the future let's look to um with your hands kind of the nature of of existence and you're kind of looking out there (laughs) you know uh, a quick you told him about the q statue (laughs) (laughs) Uh, a quick little discrepancy that i was thinking about timeline wise um in encounter this isn't time to talk about timeline (laughs) In Encounter, that we are told that that court is from 2079, um, and first contact had happened in 2063. Right? Like we wouldn't be shooting prisoners in the in the chest with the Vulcans watching, would we? Have I don't I don't know. I, I mean, no, it's true. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's it probably is just a messed up date. But in some ways, I don't know because even with first contact, it's not like the next day everything's like, oh, we're good, you know, aliens, let's all work together. Like, I'm sure it took time. Now, this or, is where I, I would need we're interpro- in the mirror universe where yeah. Zephyr Cochran shoots the Vulcan with a <laughs> shotgun and raids the ship. What would have actually been really interesting, I think, um, 
in Enterprise, if like maybe we got like a like a flashback to Henry Archer, like because he would have been alive during this time, and like maybe there he would have gone to trial under one of these, and we would have gotten to see like a judge in this this outfit, and the military would have had their silly costumes, and then maybe we could have saw the breakdown of it or something. I don't know. Maybe that's a missed opportunity. I don't know. But no, I, I think I it would have, it would have been great, Daniel, and you would have loved the episode because for Henry Archer, I think Scott Bakula could play that part. Because he's playing oh, his father. Even, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> well, I mean, again, to to retcon everything, you know, even though the Vulcans met us in 2063, that doesn't necessarily mean that there weren't other governments in other parts of the country of the there world. There were no governments. You know, no this resistance. could have been. Well, that's true, but I mean, yeah, it's. But I'm, I know, I, I know it's obviously, you know, one yeah. came before the other and they picked a date on the timeline and, you know. We are, nit- we are nitpicking, but, uh, it, you know, um, there, are, there are still gaps in the, in the Star Trek timeline that we don't, we don't, they're very fuzzy. We don't really understand what happened. And that was just something you, that. You brought this up, Daniel. I, know, I, know. I mean, <laughs> I, know, I just I know. thought, like, and, and I know this isn't a popular opinion. I don't mean to get political, but the fact that we kept the eugenics war quiet in the 90s, I think, is beyond, you know, the pale, and I think the truth will come out. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Where, where, Where is Khan? Hashtag Khan. <laughs> Ill- is Illuminati. Con? Actually, what is was this, it? Is this, like, is this like, who is John Galt? Am I going to get, like, where is Khan everywhere I go? But anyway, I'm but. trying to remember. Isn't Zephyrin Cochran in TOS? Yes, he was. Episode? Yep. It, it, so, it, it, it makes sense. I sure. It do. actually does fit the timeline, yeah. <laughs> Basically, when he escaped Earth after being cool, um, he got captured by an alien and was made younger. They do say he was made younger. Okay, that's right. I was yeah, gonna say, like, if he's dead by the time of Enterprise, how and in I the do, heck no, is no, he they, alive? They do mention in Enterprise that he went missing. They don't. They don't. You know. Oh. So it, it, that actually adds up. So as, it was a long road. Well, yeah, well between from there to here, it takes a while. Here, you know. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, guys. Uh, let's see here. Let's well, let's. I, mean, I just want to say one quick thing that that there's a there's a quick dichotomy that I notice in the two trials, or you could say it's the same one um, between Encounter and Ever all the is. things. Because Encounter, it's kind of a more straightforward like violence, diplomacy, savagery. Because you know Q is you know using the the Farpoint example. Like when we are detecting strange new life, are we going to like attack it or kill it, or are we going to be like help it aid it you know so it's a little more straightforward are we just like literally are we not savage do we just not like shoot things with with ray guns to kill all the time whereas all good things it's a little more existential of because because to me and i've probably said this before with all good things there's two things going on with q because you know he's his helping hand is not moving Picard through time because that's what causes the problem. So that's not the helping hand because right. there's no way you can create the paradox if it's just like naturally. It's not like he was just naturally going to you know put three tetrion beams at the same spot. Um, but you know the part was sort of helping him like so. Let's go to the beginning of Earth. Look, there's a big anomaly. Oh, awkward cough. Um, I wonder what that means, Sean Luke. It's bigger in the past. Stop foot. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy, he pulls out a pad. Picard pulls out a pad, and he's like, "Wait, da 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 da." And it's like he's just sitting there for like a week because we don't see it. You know, time is passing, and he's just like, "Wait, I think I got it." So you're saying that the anomaly is 
<laughs> and you can look at those two things too and look at like Q in Farpoint is literally goading Picard to destroy the jellyfish. He's like, you don't know what it is. Shoot it. Shoot it, man. Shoot it yeah. with a gun. Shoot it now. It's and turning then, blue. Shoot it. <laughs> it's even more dangerous. <laughs> and then in it, it is it is a dichotomy because then in All Good Things, he is helping him out. He's actually being like, look, look, this, just like, think about it, man. Open your mind. <laughs> like, see what's happening here. Like, he, he puts his arm around Picard's shoulder. He's like, look, okay, you know. That, that first mission, I was being a total jerk. I mean, I was just saying, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. So you know what? I'm gonna help. I'm gonna help you out. Watch this. Yeah, you're making this sound like 2 a.m. in a college dorm. Like, yeah, Picard, you just gotta open your mind, man. I mean, they did go to college together. I mean, we saw that. They did go to college together. <laughs> oh man, and we know they had, you know, you know, they had some feelings for each other because one of them brought flowers to the other. So, well, yeah, you um, had that, you know, flower job to. Put his put his way turn his way through college and <laughs> oh, all right for man. all those Picard oh, Q fanfickers slashers out there. Um. <laughs> well, he had you know he had all the end jo- uh, little you know meet end jobs. He he also worked at the bar. You know he uh, he just he, he was a maid turned down the bed. You know he was just all over. He was a so sheriff with, with a lot of, of rela- some sort. Um. <laughs> With a with a lot of relationshipers, they like to kind of combine the names. So would that like would that be Q card or Picard? Picard with like a Q instead of a C. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, let's do let's do closing arguments here. Since this is a trial based show, I thought I'd be a little I'd be a little punny. Guys, guys, Philip, Philip. Are we guilty of being a dangerously savage child race? And if so, do we have any hope in the future? All right. We're guilty. Provisionally. <laughs> anyway, I need, I need a, a lesser podcaster would have died before admitting that. <laughs> <laughs> the court will hear your provision. Um, yeah, you know, it's one of those things where that self-righteousness in encounter... I, like I don't, I don't have three hundred more years under my belt of of what our future holds to be like. No, we're good. We're, we're totally not like that. I'm like, no. I mean, we all have those instincts, and I mean, like, even in TNG, when you see things like the Drumhead and and and, and other episodes of where you know our our uh, better angels are shadowed down by our 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 worst demons or whatever, um, you know, that's still present. That hasn't gone away, and so I can't think you can be too be like, no, we're we're all evolved and great. Um, but it, it, the fact is, I think, I think we are guilty provisionally that, you know, if, if we use our favorite TNGers as examples, they're flawed, they're not perfect, except for, you know, Jesus Picard. Um, but, you know, that, that we can rise to the occasion. And, you know, when you said, when you were talking about hope, Daniel, all I could picture was like, Daniel, that might look like hope to you, but to us, it just looks like a Starfleet insignia um <laughs> so that is what, that's for starfleet what is, that, what is that delta shield mean oh no on my planet it's not a delta shield <laughs> it means you're a nerd your man's being the largest jerk ever in that scene i'm sorry how dare you in in my in my in my language how dare you <laughs> my mother's a what uh. <laughs> 
Uh, and Darren, what about you? Uh, you know, you are now on trial for for all of humanity's you know crimes, as it were. Are you are you going to rise to the occasion and defend us, or are you just gonna you're gonna just we're guilty? We're, that's what we are. I will answer any question that begins that ends with a <laughs> yes or a no. <laughs> Sorry, you've <laughs> no more questions for you. No, uh, no, I feel that you know this subplot. Uh, you know, just really reflects a, a lot, like I said before, of, of Star Trek. It's it's really what Star Trek is to its core. It's, you know, looking to our future, but also while we're looking to an optimistic future, not, you know, shying away from looking at our past and, and the mistakes we've made and that we continue to make. And um, But but I think not giving up on that hope uh, of that there can be a better f- future, that we can outgrow certain tendencies um i think that's you know very very important um but uh what i really you know the really important part that i wanted to tell you is oh sorry i can't i was gonna give you the secret answer but then i had to just drift away (laughs) (laughs) i'll see you out there (laughs) i was waiting for that q cameo in nemesis because he said he dropped by from time or Nemesis, he's like, "Hey, where's uh, where's Data? Oh, oh, I'm so I'm so so Man, sorry." Imagine if Insurrection was replaced with a Q story. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Well, In- no, I'm actually not kidding. <laughs> uh, whoa, whoa, wait! You mean Star Trek Incurrection? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Q-surrection. I don't even know what we'd call it. <laughs> the um, one with Q. We'll call it Q2, even though we already have an episode called that. <laughs> it's Q2 the movie. Whoa, whoa. We, we are not against using episodes <laughs> for... Emissary. That's true. That's very First true. contact, First anyone? First contact. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting because... I wanted to mention that the idea of a godlike being, it's more of a TOS trope than it is a TNG trope, right? I think we get Q and Kevin, and, and I'm pretty sure that's it. Um, <laughs> so and it's, it's awesome. Again, <laughs> I, I'm not being blasphemous. What about Charlie so X? it goes Jesus, Kevin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure Kevin would be towards the bottom of that scale there. <laughs> there were some that called uh, me. Kevin? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, we don't get a lot of godlike beings in TNG, especially compared to TOS, but, um, and even Deep Space Nine, which is actually kind of based on the idea of godlike beings. What Um, about uh, Nagila? Um, yeah, but he was very limited, right? He had that, like, pocket in space. Like the the first ones in Babylon 5, (laughs) you know? Yeah, it was very, he was, he was not a, he was not that powerful. Um, or the Guardian from um, Justice. Oh, I thought you were going to say, you know, Guardian Forever. I like the Guardian. I am the Guardian. I cannot move. I am the Alpha and the Omega. But it, it it is something that you know we don't get a lot in in TNG. Besides, and then post TNG, we don't get a lot of except for like I said, uh, you know, um, God, why can't I not remember their names? You mean the prophets? The prophets, thank you. Uh, yeah, they the prefer prophets, to be called wormhole you... aliens. I, well, see, that's wormhole. what Daniel calls them, but I try to keep things in an even keel here. You so. know, actually, when we were talking earlier, I was actually envisioning a conversation between Q and the wor- and, and the wormhole aliens, the prophets. I think that would have <laughs> been great. 
because they take everything way too seriously, and Q would have been like, I can see through time too, and I can still have fun. Like, so, why do you so exist here? Been like the beginning of time as just well. Just that tapestry like, shot. Everyone's what? just in white. That's the big white party. You know what? Maybe he was taking in the form of uh, of a prophet at that point. Oh. Um, but anyways, um, so, I would have loved. Know, it's not can big, we? Because can we Lucas this that in Tapestry you have that scene with Q and Picard talking and you just see Cisco walking in the background through the white light. <laughs> <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, yeah. So so, so godlike beings not a big thing in TNG, but. We get Q, and he does a lot of really interesting things in TNG. And, you know, this this idea of this trial uh, is a very Star Trek idea. And even though we only got two episodes of it, I think it's really interesting to delve into and talk about. Um, but guys, believe it or not, you know, the, the ultimate fate of humanity is not the only thing we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. So have a listen and uh, see if you missed anything else here on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. I also like how they're like, here's some random stuff. Let us have one of your people. Like, they think that this is actually like a fair <laughs> trade. Like, here's some ugly Damn. shield. Take it and let me have one of your best friends in the world. <laughs> like, what is he going to do? Damn. Hang that up on his wall and be like, this is better than McCoy. Earl Grey. You know, what the dressing up and what the the clubs and the meetings and the podcast, you know, all really comes down to is just finding and talking and being around other people who enjoy something that you really enjoy. The Orb. I'd like to see the Borg assimilate Ferenginar and then they would become bankers. You know, I could see. Oh my gosh. I could see drones. Yeah, yeah. The, the world's strictest <laughs> bank ever. Right. I'm sorry, you have not paid your loan. You will be assimilated. <laughs> the nanites go into you. Yes. <laughs> to the journey. You could say that the Equinox does get destroyed, but Captain Ransom lives. And since he is the highest ranking officer that's alive, he assumes command of Voyager. I hate that idea. <laughs> the ready room. I do like that he just drops out of the sky naked. That is the perfect way to introduce Q. And then I love, just before we cut to the credits, they get this great shot of him looking up at Picard, and he's like, hey, what up? You know, <laughs> right. A little flirty. I love it. Commentary, Trek stars. So I think it actually fits into Quantum Leap continuity somehow. I don't know. I'll don't, have to go to poobala.com and see what they say. Don't you dare try to make me feel obligated to watch NCIS. The 602 Club. But I loved the scene with um, Lucy and Tumnus when they first meet, because mm-hmm. that's a very yeah. vivid description in the book. Um, and I felt like they, they really nailed that in terms of the way it looked. And... And the CGI was advanced enough so that um, James McAvoy really looked like he had fawn legs and literary treks. Tell us about coming up with this this story for the crew of the Enterprise. Where did it come from for you, and what were some of your inspirations for diving into these characters once again? Well, Troublesome Minds was such a book that it left me with as if I I didn't quite finish. 
I'd come up with Troublesome Minds as an idea. That the, the idea was, what pushes Spock toward Colinar? Axonar, the official podcast. There is more to life than just get up, go to work, come home, watch TV, go to bed, repeat until dead. There's more to life than that. And I, I believe that uh, that's the essential magic of Star Trek is that it says... It appeals to that that urge to get up off the couch, walk out the front door, and go see what's out there. And introducing the newest addition to the network, Women at Warp. Iman is fabulous, and I quite like Martia. Yeah, me too. She's a fun character. Yep. Also, you think Kirk would be happier about kissing himself. <laughs> right? It was his lifelong ambition. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I more feel like it's his lifelong ambition to kiss Spock, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows to get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zoom. Visit the Trek.fm website for the full Trek experience. You can view our podcast directory to stream the audio from all of our shows. If you would like to contact us, just go to Trek.fm contact. From there, choose Message to a Trek FM Show and select Earl Grey. These messages will be relayed by Starfleet to the three of us. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook.com slash TrekFM or join our Facebook listener discussion group called The Babel Conference. Find it by searching The Babel Conference on Facebook. Now let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor this week, Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. This is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Now, as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. There's one more way you can directly help us to keep Earl Grey coming to you each and every week, and that's through becoming a patron of Trek FM. By visiting patreon.com slash trekfm, you can choose among various pledge levels and receive rewards for becoming a Trek FM patron. These rewards let you inside the observation lounge of our network and make it possible for us to distribute all our great content. So please become a patron and visit patreon.com slash trekfm today. All right, guys, we actually got a message uh, from the website, which, by the way, everybody can go to trek.fm and uh, submit some comments if they want to talk to us. Um, we got a message from a W.A. Marchena, and forgive me if I'm saying that incorrectly. I believe uh, he goes by Wormhole Alien. Oh, no. It's possible. It's certainly possible, you know. Uh, and he says, or he or she, I don't know. Uh, they say, hey, Earl Grey crew. I started with TOS and have chronologically worked my way until halfway through season six of TNG. I recently watched the double episode Birthright, which features Deep Space Nine. This is the episode with uh, Bashir. Uh, everybody knows fairly well. And in which uh, all the says, fans got Deep Space Nine in uh, HD, and that's really all you need. Yes. that's, that's Yep, they get their 10 minutes of Deep Space Nine, and uh, you guys should be happy, okay? Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. We all want, we all want Deep Space Nine in, in HD. <clears throat> uh, they continue. 
I did some research to understand the chronology of TNG versus Deep Space Nine versus Voyager. I learned that Deep Space Nine started right around my point in TNG. I chose to watch the Deep Space Nine pilot to get an idea of the crossovers. I was really impressed. Um, their question is, what do they do? Do they finish TNG before fully committing to Deep Space Nine, um, including then extending that from Deep Space Nine to Voyager, or is it more effective, authentic Star Trek experience if they watch them simultaneously? Uh, they also go on to say, I've, they've not really listened to every Earl Grey episode, so if you've already covered this topic, please direct me to the episode. If not, I would really appreciate your advice. Um, Philip and I, well, I finished a, a concurrent rewatch of both TNG Deep Space Nine not too long ago. Philip is almost done. Darren, I know, has working his way through Deep Space Nine, kind of. Um, so we all He's actually probably have really interesting opinions on <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We, we all have, interest, I'm sure, interesting opinions on this subject. Uh, I'll give mine briefly, and then you guys can can go into what you think. Um, uh, for someone who's not familiar with Star Trek, it's not necessary, in my opinion. It's not like something like the Marvel Universe, where it's so intricate that you're going to lose out on those references. Uh, it's not going to diminish your experiences. Honestly... I kind I guess my my advice is neutral. Um, if you're okay with splitting your your interest in it, uh, then that's fine. But you're not. The benefit is probably less worth the effort it takes to find out the chronology of it. I would just say continue with your deep, your, your TNG rewatch, then with your deep, deep space nine rewatch or watch. I guess it would be, and then with your Voyager rewatch. Um, my, rewatches are better because you know what's happening, what the universe entails, what's coming. Uh, to me, it's not necessary to do it that way. What do you? How do you feel, Darren? Yeah, I kind of agree. It, it sounded like you know you're trying to decide between do you watch it in broadcast order or in series order? Uh, because if you watch it, you know broadcast, yeah. It, once you get to this point, you're you're jumping back and forth. Uh, you know, if there's a two-parter or, or something like that, it, it should be every other, but you could, I think it actually kind of clumps in certain, you know, patterns. If you're going by star date, I mean, it's a whole nother, <laughs> uh, you know, aspect. I think there are all websites dedicated to, like, if you want to watch it in star date order, you know, which, again, it doesn't, they don't reference each other n- almost at all. I mean, except for really Emissary having the reference of, you know, the Battle of 059, which is a flashback in itself, you know, th- there's just not that much uh, crossover, and and the t- and the crossovers you do get, you know, with Miles coming on board at the beginning or Worf joining later, you know that, you know that's way after TNG is wrapped up. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I-, I would say it's it's kind of you can do it for a fun, if you know, a fun experiment, but it definitely you're not going to miss anything if you just watch it TNG all the way to the great greatest finale ever and then go into you know emissary and you know and go forward so i I think if i was doing a rewatch that's how i would do it i would do it in series order instead of broadcast yeah and what about you philip how do you how do you feel about things since you you're actually knee deep in deep space nine at this point right or waist deep or or neck deep or daniel not all of us keep our knees Uh, in the same um, but anyway, one uh, one uh, Ferengi okay. leg deep. I I don't know what to say there. Um. It's a slip of uh, um, yeah, because I, like I know when I'm watching uh, the Maquis, the episode of the Maquis, 
I'm like, uh, and TNG, Will Riker right now with, oh, that's why, you talk, I knew it, I knew it could have been Will Riker, I knew, you know, um, but, yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of ways to go about it, what would I recommend, look, because I'm doing broadcast order for my rewatch, because, nerd, but, but, you know, it's, it, it is a little back and forth, and it's really what you're more comfortable with, because, like I've discovered, you would just think it'd be like, oh, it's a DS9 and then Voyager. And then D-. No, no, that'd be way too easy. That'd be way <laughs> too easy. It's like, here's four straight Deep Space Nine, one Voyager, two DS9, DS9 Voyager, two Voyager. I'm like, I have, you know, why? But, um. Oh, and then I, insurrections I would... thrown in there somewhere. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, that's me when DS9's on. But anyway, um, but yeah, I, I would throw this out as an option. That to go um, by series seasons. In other words, you know, just watch straight TNG, you know, season six, and then maybe throw in Deep Space Nine season one, then go TNG season seven. Mm, you know, okay. like, you don't have to do episode. That's interesting. That's a good, that's a good even, idea. Yeah, so that way it gives you just a little, little bit of flavor. Um, you know, like a like nice same thing yeah. cross dissolve from one series yeah. into the next. Yeah, it gives you a little bit of a breather. Yeah, I actually, I would, I would think that's actually more beneficial with the Deep Space Nine Voyager differences. Um, but yeah, that's actually a really interesting idea, Philip. And maybe I'll the next rewatch I do, maybe that's that's how I'll do it because uh, I've done the uh, the episode to episode thing, and it's it's almost too much trouble to keep track of where you're at because you're going through you know season six of of TNG, which is having some great episodes and you're, and now you're shifting to DS nine, which is just finding its footing, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then it could be a big dichotomy. And you're not missing anything. If you just watch season six, you're not going to miss, you're not really going to miss anything. Uh, yeah. 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 And I'm, I think really the hardest part is when I'm doing my enterprise rewatch and I have to switch to, Oh no, that's actually the easiest one. Never mind. Oh, oh wait. <laughs> oh, wait. Just don't watch the uh, Jemadar episode blink and actually think that's the Enterprise getting destroyed. Because that would be that would really throw off your rewatch. You're like, what's going to happen in the next he episode? Hasn't finished with Deep Space Nine. He doesn't know. Maybe the Enterprise gets destroyed. Oh, you got to keep the suspense out there. If Andy's listening, it's the Enterprise been, what, may get destroyed. Some in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. He's first time DS9ing. <laughs> Maybe that's his Twitter. Well, but if he hasn't listened to Oliver O'Gray by the time he listens to this episode and catches up, he's going to be all the way through. Again, we don't know if it's a he. Now, now what is your they, uh, Earl Grey rewatch order? That's what I want to know, kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, First, we do true. all the episodes, we, all the character episodes, which only take. <laughs> we do a lot. We do a lot more crossover. We do a lot more crossovers than the actual shows ever did. So That's right. So do I have to listen to all of Standard Orbit <laughs> before, or do I have to? <laughs> all right, Darren, if people had, if people had some sort of, uh, you know, gong-related advice it's a cowbell. for you, how would, how would they get a hold of you? Um, they could find me on Twitter under username Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. They can find out all about my cowbell band. And, Philip, if people were just waiting for you to show up on the bridge naked, uh, where would they go to keep an eye on that kind of thing? Uh, they can find me on Twitter. My handle there is NC Public Servant. That's NC for no clothing. <laughs> Is that the episode All Good Things or Encounter at Farpoint? 
Oh, oh, me with no clothing? Oh, That's all good things, my friend. That is all good things. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Philip wins this episode, that's for sure. <laughs> and then if people, of course, they wanted to get a hold of me and, and, and talk about how, uh, how I am all better things, uh, they can find me on Twitter as well. That is uh, 1UpDan, the number one, not the word. All right, guys. Well, guess what? I'm going to go defend humanity against an omnipotent being. Uh, so maybe you guys should support me, uh, you know, and have my back. I'm frozen. Uh, so, uh, you know, engage. Make it so. Live long and prosper. Fire. Fire.